Stanford versus Notre Dame. And for the Cardinal, it all comes down to this. Literally. That's it. No more football for the Cardinal after this game is done. And this we're going to talk about on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. It is Wednesday, November the 27th, 2019. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. And getting ready for the season finale for Stanford football in 2019 is the Cardinal host of Notre Dame Fighting Irish at 1 p.m. kickoff at Stanford Stadium. Hey, how you doing? Troy Clarity, hope that your uh, Thanksgiving week is uh, off to a good start and hope that you uh, get to spend the next uh, couple of days or so, assuming that you're listening to this TreeCast before Thursday, I uh, hope, hope that you get to spend the next uh, few days um, eating things that you like and hanging out with people um, that you like and love as well. Coming up a bit later on in the show, we are going to sit down and chat with Stanford senior defensive lineman Jovan Swan. He's from the Hoosier State, from Greenwood, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis. Any uh, extra motivation for him against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish this week? We'll talk about that, and uh, we'll, we'll go inside some of the intricacies of defensive line play with Jovan Swan. That's coming up a bit later on in the show. Uh, three things you need to know about Stanford football, and uh, they said it. Those are all on tap for you on the show as well. Hit me up uh, on Twitter at Troy Clarity, at Troy Clarity. That last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And as always, uh, you can uh, have your voice heard and share your thoughts on Stanford football and on the show as well at hashtag TreeCast. It it seems weird, the finality of this week. Uh, Stanford, uh, 4-7 on the season. Their loss last week at Cal, uh, sealing their fate uh, for the postseason, as uh, Stanford no longer bowl eligible, the best they can do is five and seven. Meanwhile, Notre Dame is nine and two on the year and looking to to end their season on an uptick. And there's the Legends Trophy at stake in this one. I keep forgetting that there's a trophy involved with this series. I can't even remember if I've ever even seen the Legends, Legends Trophy um, or not, but there's a Legends Trophy at stake, and there's obviously pride at stake for Stanford as well so certainly plenty still on the table for the cardinal to play for as they wrap up the season three things you need to know about stanford football right now we do it every episode why wait anymore let's get to it here and now and we start with number and as always we begin with injuries last week quarterback kj costello Cornerback Paul Nadebo, safety Malik Antoine were out of the game. Connor Weddington knocked out uh, throughout the course of the big game. How are those four guys looking for this week? David Shaw with that update on his Tuesday press conference. KJ Costello, uh, Paul Nadebo, Malik Antoine, uh, and now Connor Weddington uh, will all be out this week. Um, KJ thought was maybe if he had a chance. I, I, it's just it's. It's not back. Most um, um, of those guys, pretty sure Paulson and Malik weren't going to make it back this week. Um, and then Connor was injured during the game. Um, would take a serious turn of events for him to have a chance to play this week. Um, so he's very, very doubtful, uh, most likely out for the week. Yeah, that, that's tough, especially for K.J. Costello and uh, Malik Antoine as they are seniors. Also tough for Connor Weddington as well as he is, is such a big factor in what Stanford does both on offense and on special teams in the return game. Now, I was surprised to see Tucker Fisk back in the mix against Cal last week. And quite honestly, so were the coaches. As it appeared that uh, Tucker visited with the doctors late last week. 
and things looked a lot better than they did early in the week, so they cleared him. They only played him about 20 plays or so, gave him about 20 snaps, and uh, Fisk is up for this week. So that's certainly good news. Hey, good injury news for Stanford. Uh, that hasn't been uh, the norm so far this year, but uh, there actually was good injury news uh, for the Cardinal stemming from last week. Speaking of Connor Weddington and that impact that his injuries has on the squad, let's get to number two. And we take a look at the wide receivers. What happens without Connor Weddington on the field for the Stanford wide receiving crew for Stanford? What specifically happens at that spot? David Shaw gave us that answer. Osiris St. Brown, which we've always known, uh, has an outstanding uh, feel for the game, his great ability, came in and played well. Um, we, we always have him on kind of a pitch count um, to, to, to watch his volume um, so that he can play at a high level. Um, so he and Elijah kind of split that role, and we'll see that going forward. Um, uh, you know, Cyrus will, will, will get the start there. Um, Elijah will play a significant role as well. Uh, great to see Donald Stewart come in, uh, make a big play early in the game. Um, he's played more and more the last few weeks. Um, so I think we have a good group uh, that can go out and have a chance to help the quarterback move the chains and hopefully get some touchdowns. Yeah, so a lot more Osiris St. Brown in the mix. Gosh, I really, I mean, we've seen him pop the top off of defenses before and make big plays throughout the early part of his career. I would kind of like to see a bit more of that and was hoping to have seen a bit more of that uh, as the year has gone along. But interesting, you heard him talk, heard David Shaw talk about a bit of a pitch count uh, for Osiris St. Brown. That kind of raised a bit of an eyebrow for me. But but also, obviously, uh, Stanford also has uh, Michael Wilson, who has performed very well, and Simi Fajoko, uh, who, has been, who has made some explosive plays for the Cardinal uh, this year. Stanford will definitely miss Connor Weddington uh, at the wide receiving spot. I don't think there's much question about that. However, with Osiris St. Brown doing what he needs to do, also a little bit of Elijah Higgins as well, as uh, David Shaw says, hopefully those guys can still help uh, Davis Mills and the Stanford offense score some touchdowns. Two things down, that means that all that's left is number three. And we've talked so much about the freshmen this year, and rightfully so, because 20 of them have played this year. 20 true freshmen have played this year. That's bonkers. But... This is senior week, end of the regular season, end of the season as a whole, and, and the final timeout for uh, a bunch of guys who have been through a lot and done a lot of great things uh, for Stanford football. This is senior week, the final walk uh, through Chuck Taylor Grove into the stadium. That, that's always a special, special moment. And David Shaw giving big time credit to his senior class this year. You know, even after a couple of tough losses, you come out and the guys are flying around. Guys are practicing hard. Guys are um, pushing each other um, in, in, a, in a positive way. Um, um, that that credit um, doesn't go to the coaches. That credit goes to our seniors, and our leaders. Um, you know, guys like Casey Tuhill and Cameron Scarlett, fifth-year seniors that uh, have been through a lot, um, have helped these guys understand how important it is. Malik Antoine, uh, such a great leader. Um, to, to, to continue to teach and help even though he's not playing and be that voice in the guy's ear uh, to, to, to keep him uh, on track. Um, I talk, all the time I talk about co-leadership uh, between the coaching staff and the, the leaders on the team. And these guys have been outstanding. And in a year where uh, most people understandably are going to look at the record and talk about the record and it's not what we want it to be. Um, there have been just some unbelievable uh, 
moments this year where at any point in time a lot of these guys could have packed it in and their teammates wouldn't allow them to and um, I, I give a lot of credit to this group um, this group that understands um, this is a team sport and that we need everybody uh, so I, I commend those guys uh, for, for their efforts um, this year yeah effort has never been the problem with this team that has never been in question at no point this year have I sensed that this team has quit and uh, I think a lot of that is certainly due to the seniors. And 27 guys on the Cardinal roster are listed as seniors or fifth-year players. That includes guys like K.J. Costello, Cameron Scarlett, Casey Tuhill, Devery Hamilton, Jet Toner, Malik Antoine, Curtis Robinson, and others. Many of them will move on. Some of them may have a decision to make. It's all going to be part of an intriguing offseason for Stanford. Uh, that will begin once the final whistle sounds and the uh, and the scoreboard ticks down to zero on Saturday afternoon at the end of the game against Notre Dame. Those are three things. And one of those young men playing in his final game at Stanford Stadium as a Cardinal is Jovan Swan, Stanford defensive lineman. He had a really big moment last week with the big uh, blocked field goal before the uh, end of the first half against the California Golden Bears. That was fun to see. And the Stanford defensive line has been terrific at points, especially individually. Each of those guys have, have contributed big-time solos and have had, have had big-time team plays as well. Swan has had a lot of battles in the trenches uh, over the past few years and has, has established himself up front as uh, one of the Cardinal mainstays. And earlier this week, Jovan and I caught up and had a conversation. Jovan Swan, the senior from Greenwood, Indiana, joining us on the tree cast. All right, Jovan, a big week ahead. The regular season finale for Stanford coming up against Notre Dame. First, let's get your overall thoughts on what could have gone, what, what did go right and what could have gone better against Cal last week. Tough loss, obviously. Your overall takeaways from big game last week. Um, just really want to go out there and give it the best I got, you know, each and every week. Um, but as far as a collective on the defense, which is my primary focus, uh, I think we put out some good effort. Um, and the tape doesn't lie. We are out there hustling, you know, getting around, getting to the ball. But, you know, in critical moments, we didn't make the plays that we need to make. Um, and so we got to go back to the drawing boards, have another week ahead of us. Um, but, you know, I just you can never have any regrets over, you know, certain play calling and things like that. But as long as the effort's there, you have to be um, happy and satisfied with that and then move on. Yeah, effort has certainly been there, especially defensively and, and especially with the attrition, especially in the secondary uh, with, a, with a bunch of younger guys running around back there uh, doing their best. You guys up front have been doing, I think, fantastic work for the most part uh, so far this season. Grand scheme of things this year, how would you assess how you and the defensive line and fair have, have fared this year? I think we've put up some good tape, um, and I'm very happy to know that we're still healthy. Um, and to see that we're one of the main groups that are, have come out healthy throughout, you know, this long season, um, wins and losses, um, just tried to be consistent in that in that way and putting on good tape against the run defense um, and especially against the pass game because um, we had some pretty good passing teams um, to face and um, it's it's tough to get get home because. Sometimes you just aren't play, put in the right position and or execute, you know, certain plays, as, as I said, you know, be on the 
on the front end or whether it be on the back end, you know, we all have to be on the same page at the end of the day, um, at the end of each play. And if we aren't, that's when you see the big plays getting made. So um, a lot of things that we can fix and focus on going forward. Um, but I'm very happy with the effort, as I said, of the D-line and, you know, just the strengths that we have as far as against the run defense. What's been your best or your favorite moment so far this year? Uh, my favorite moments, um, I would say definitely, you know, blocking a field goal. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, having a uh, defending our house and having a, a number 15 Washington come in and, you know, just to show that, we can put up a fight. We can finish um, and utilize our game plan to our, our game plan to our advantage um, to get a, a victory over a pretty good team. Um, and that was a really good feeling. Um, I think a lot of people counted us out in that game, and uh, it's good to show and prove the haters and prove the doubters wrong um, in that way. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I'm always fascinated by going inside the trenches. So many things, so many nuances that, that, that go into it all, that go unnoticed by, by, by a lot of folks. What, what sort of tools go into being a terrific defensive lineman? I, 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 would, I would assume explosion, anticipation, uh, strength, all those things have to come together. If you had to build the perfect defensive lineman, what sort of traits would they have to possess? Um, leverage is a big thing. Um, you combine leverage with a nice, good explosion and get off, as we call it. Um, that's that's going to be a, a, a great defensive lineman. Um, somebody who plays with their hands, gets low, um, knees bent, you know, neck on a brace, bent at the knees, at the knees as Coach Reynolds would say. Uh, you play with that, you know, consistent for each down. There's no reason why um, the defensive lineman should not be dominant. Um, you know, we, we're taught a lot of different scheme, scheme and techniques, but each down you have to really utilize all the training that we do with Coach Reynolds um, and put it to the test. And we get coached so well that um, nobody goes out in the field um, questioning or hesitating, you know, what type of technique we should use because we're coached across the board from a seven technique, nine technique, all the way across the board to a zero. Um, and just about every player in our defensive line room can play that. So um, I think awareness of, you know, the blocks you're about to get, you know, film study, if you have a defensive lineman that's done their film study and compares, you know, combines that with the technique and um, just overall strength, because it, you know, you see some guys that aren't as weight room strong but can play ball, and that's that's really what matters at the end of the day. You can lift weights all day, but if you can't play ball, then you're no good to me. So, um, yeah, that's that's what really matters to me. You know, just having a room of guys that really focus on those three things um, and more. Uh, that's that's really huge to make a good defensive lineman. Yeah, how would you compare and contrast yourself with the rest of the guys up front, Thomas Booker, uh, Schaffer, uh, Michael Williams, and, and some of the other guys? How would you compare and contrast uh, you and the rest of the D-line room? I would say that we're all similar in the way that we do not want to be denied. Um, we go on the field in that way, and that's how we're similar. But um, the difference, I would say, besides height, um, you know, we're – I would say it's just age. I don't know. I mean, we're all pretty similar in, in different ways. Um, you know, we have Mike and D-Way, who are heavier guys that play in the interior primarily. But um, from Tomas to Booker to myself, Ryan Johnson, um, Josh Bacola, we're all pretty similar and um, all have the same mentality. Um, but differences, they're not that many between us because we all are focused on being the best players that we can be on and off the field. 
It's interesting because people always talk about the offensive line and how five guys have to pretty much function as one for the most part. Is it necessarily the same sort of thing for the defensive line? Did they all necessarily have to have to function as one, or is there a little bit more room for, for improvisation, so to speak? Definitely more room for improvisation. As I said, we're taught every technique across the board from right to left. Um, so it doesn't matter who you throw on the field. Coach Reynolds should feel comfortable um, because of his great coaching that we are placed on the field and placed in a great position to make plays. Um, and I don't think that at one any particular time he can't turn around and you know substitute any two guys or any three guys at, at one play. Um, so I think that's uh, the beauty of defensive line because you have to be able to play both sides. Um, we've had greats leave here and you see them in the league playing both sides and being very impactful, such as Harrison Phillips, Solomon Thomas, and we watch their tape and we grow from that and uh, learn and educate ourselves on how to do it well. And, you know, hopefully the guys after us will be able to do so as well so, because we're a pretty versatile group and uh, try to be resilient as well. You're a senior. This is senior week and it's, it's the end of the end of the regular season. Um, what, what has this entire experience with Stanford football meant to you and, and how much have you sensed, have you grown in, in all facets from the first day you walked on, on, on the, onto the farm? I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned that the professors here are second to none. Um, I've learned that, you know, being a football player is highly regarded on this campus and uh, in this area of Palo Alto and, you know, just being in the Bay. Um, just you gain so much respect from people around you, you know, when they know that you play football and you go to Stanford. Um, and that's not what I was seeking. I was ultimately coming here to, you know, get a great degree and, you know, just play some quality football, you know, in championship level football. And, um, you know, my experience here, I've learned a lot. I've learned, you know, what can go wrong, you know, through training process and what can go wrong through schematics and things like that. And you, you grow from that, those certain things. And, you become a better player, a better person, because not every day you're going to win. Um, and I think that you've learned uh, in the senior class this year has learned so much from uh, just being persistent and trying to, you know, listen to what your coaches have to provide you and just putting the effort out there. And I know that in my four years here, I think that the biggest thing is, you know, putting on your best effort and not hesitating, you know, just keep pushing forward regardless of the results. Um, I know uh, Coach Turley showed me that, the, the aspect of compartmentalization um, and how that, you know, is needs to be a tool in your belt. Um, because you're not always going to win, but you always can, you know, learn from it, grow, put it aside and move forward. Um, and I think that's something that's huge for me. And I've, I'm going to take away from this and use for the rest of my life. Um, but and I also learned that brotherhood of, you know, some high character guys is will go a long way. Um, you know, I can always count on my teammates. Um, for anything, you know, if I ever needed anything that they're always, you know, reliable and I can always trust them. And, you know, these are some lifelong bonds that I've made here. Let's talk about Notre Dame. You're from Indiana, born in Michigan. I'd imagine that there might be a little bit of extra spark, perhaps, in, in you, perhaps, this week, looking across the sideline and, and, and seeing Notre Dame uh, across the way. Is that the case? I mean, you know, what, 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 was your, what were your dealings with, with Notre Dame uh, back in the day, and how has it perhaps uh, affected the dynamic for you personally here this week? Absolutely. Um, you know, being born in Detroit, um, you know, I was a Michigan fan for the longest um, still support them, and um, you know it's it's just, it's amazing how much they dislike Notre Dame up in the north. Um, 
But, you know, this, this week of preparation would be no different from Cal Week, no different from Washington State, no different from Oregon State or any other opponent we have. Um, I would just, you know, do my best to show my guys that I'll put the effort and everything out there on the line for another week for them because that is my job here. Um, I'm not focused on, you know, exploiting any particular player or, you know, hurting any particular player. I'm just going out there to play my best football and, you know, put it on tape that I'm a high effort guy and that I know that, you know, on crunch time, you can count on me type of thing. So um, tried to display that each and every week. Didn't Not every week has gone my way, but, you know, um, the tape doesn't lie. And I hope that to put on just another week of good tape. When you look at the tape in Notre Dame, what sort of things stand out to you? A strong offensive line, um, very savvy. Um, they're coached very well. But uh, there's some some tells on the tape that you know you got to utilize to your advantage. But it's only on you to really analyze the tape and um, make the most of it. But um, yeah, it's a good team coming in. Very um, shifty quarterback. We got to really contain him for another week. You know that's always a challenge and. Um, I'm very excited, very excited to, you know, go up against a team like this, you know, some high caliber um, running backs um, that can come downhill. We've got to get them stopped in the backfield. You know, wrote that in my notebook um, this past week. And um, so, you know, just gotta, I'm just excited for the challenge ahead for the defensive line and for the rest of this team as well, because ultimately we can only focus on what we can focus on in the D line and the rest fall where it may. And we got to be on the same page at the end of the day. Yeah, another quarterback who can make things happen inside and out of the pocket. We've certainly seen our share of those throughout the course of this season. Certainly saw it last week against Cal. Uh, what sort of challenges does a quarterback like Book, who, can, who, who is mobile and who can make plays with his legs as well, what sort of challenges does, does that pose to the defensive line? Um, we're athletes. He's an athlete. We just got to be just as athletic or if not more able to make plays than he is when it, he, the time comes. Um, definitely containing him will not be a problem if we are on the same page. Um, we have to work together. We have to train it um, and practice, you know, the methods that we're going to use in the game. If not, and we falter, um, then he will make those plays that you've seen him make. Um, but, you know, and even when he does make those plays and we're in the right positions and we feel like, okay, we, we were in the right positions, we need to make those adjustments um, and prepare for the next series because it's football. You know, it's, a, it's chess, not checkers. So um, we always have to, you know, utilize our different strategies and things like that to make sure we can contain him, make sure he can't get, the, get out of the pocket, get the ball thrown and things like that. So... Um, I'm very excited because it's a great challenge, a mental challenge as well, because physically we're all there. You know, the defense line is the healthiest unit. As you say, this is going to be a challenge, but, you know, it's just another week of football for us, and we're, you know, preparing as such. All right. As we wrap this up, overall, grand scheme of things, what is the one thing you're going to be watching, and what's your big key, your biggest key of all for Stanford this week against Notre Dame? High effort. Uh, I want to see our guys, you know, compete on every play. Um, not withering away, you know, at the chance of the opportunities um, that come our way and just make, make plays where they come um, and don't try to do too much. We just have to do our jobs. And if we do our jobs, we can have a successful week, a successful weekend and, and uh, lead out the seniors in the right way. Um, but I just hope to, you know, just show consistency and just play the best of my ability and make plays where I do and not do too much. Looking forward to seeing how it all turns out against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to wrap up the regular season. Jovan, I've always enjoyed watching you play. Can't wait to see what you can do against Notre Dame this Saturday. Appreciate the time. Thanks a bunch. Best of luck, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Good stuff with Jovan Swan. I really appreciate Tim uh, taking some time out.
uh, and joining us. And, yeah, that, that defensive line has put a lot of good things on tape. Can they do it again against Notre Dame this week? We'll find out. I'll give you my keys to this game uh, later on uh, in in this uh, in the tree cast. But uh, a, a couple of things that struck me from David Shaw's weekly press conference, the final one of the year uh, that uh, that was held on uh, Tuesday late morning at the Ariaga Family Sports Center. I want to play a couple of things for you here. Um, no bowl game for Stanford this year. And that means that not only does Stanford not get to play an extra game, they also don't get the extra practices that come with bowl preparation. And I've talked to a lot of coaches over the years, and many of them have have extolled the virtues of getting those extra practices, especially under the guise of developing the young guys, of getting the young freshmen and other guys who haven't had a lot of playing time throughout the course of the season – of getting those guys more involved. And a lot of coaches think that's invaluable in a normal season. As we all know, this has not been a normal season for Stanford football, with many freshmen not just practicing, but playing, actually getting snaps, and a few of them getting significant snaps throughout the course of the year. So given that, I I asked David Shaw, the fact that there is no bowl bowl game this year and, and no extra practices this season, is that impact potentially lessened by the fact that a lot of those freshmen actually saw a lot of playing time this year? Here's David Shaw's response. There are guys that haven't played this year that those practices would be outstanding. You know, getting on the field, running our stuff, not running the scout team, uh, getting them out there to, 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 to be coached in our offense, in our defense, in our special teams, getting that work um, uh, would have been great. But a large portion of our freshmen and sophomores I've been getting a lot of game action, and um, as unfortunate some of it has been, uh, guys have come through with outstanding performances from our two young backs to our three offensive linemen that have had to start to our fourth young offensive lineman that had to come in and play one game in his home state and had an outstanding play, um, you know, to our, our secondary. Uh, we've had, you know, uh, freshmen playing corner, freshmen playing nickel, um, Freshmen ready to come in, and their number twos all over the all over the place. Freshmen coming in had to play a significant portion of inside linebacker, um, you know. So, uh, freshmen playing outside linebacker at times during the course of the year. So, we, although we missed that that December time, um, which is vital uh, to your program, uh, we've got a lot of guys that will go into spring football with a lot of plays, a lot of games under their belt, which will do them them some good. Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. You've, you've heard several players mention it with us here uh, on the TreeCast this season. There is no substitute for game reps. There's no substitute for actual snaps. Davis Mills uh, took us through this when we talked with him last month. You know, practice is great. There are some things that you can see and that's awesome and all that, but, but there is no substitute for actual game reps and game repetitions and taking snaps in actual competitive situations. A lot of freshmen can, 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 uh, can, uh, uh, can claim that they've done so this year, 20 of them, as a matter of fact. And many of them will be able to take that experience with them going forward uh, through the rest of their Cardinal careers. So it, it is you know, good news that, in, in a sense, that even though Stanford doesn't have those bowl practices, a lot of guys still got playing time, which is more important. The other thing I want to play for you is a question I asked David Shaw about balance. And let's face it, Stanford has become a bit pass-happy at times over the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, go back to the game against Washington State. The Cardinal finished up that game calling 27 straight passing plays. 27 in a row. Now, that was dictated by scoreboard. First 17 plays against Cal, 15 of them for Stanford were passes. So that was dictated by game plan as far as Stanford's emphasis on the passing game. I want to play you. I, I asked him what the what the pass-happy Cardinal uh, that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, what he makes of that. And it's, it's a long answer. It's about three minutes. But I, I really think that the whole thing is worth it to get an inside look at at, you know, people try to psychoanalyze David Shaw and get into his head all the time. I do it, too, uh, when trying to figure out what his philosophies are in, in certain things. It's a long answer, so I'll warn you now. But I think it's worth it to listen and to go into his whole uh, process about what balance truly means to him and means to his team this year. David Shaw on what he makes about Stanford being rather pass-happy over the last couple of weeks. I'll say two things. One— my goal is always to be as balanced as possible. Um, and that balance sometimes looks imbalanced to others. But when I talk about balance, I mainly talk about first and second down through three quarters. Um, if we're able to play the way we want in all three phases, first and second down, we should be pretty balanced run and pass. Um, we get to the fourth quarter, as we've had many times over the last decade, we get into the fourth quarter with a two-score lead, we will not be balanced. We're going to run the ball. We're going to be physical like we've done, like we did a couple times early in the year, like we did a lot over the last decade or so, um, which is why so often that gets skewed uh, towards the run. Um, second thing I'll say is I reserve the right to change that at any given time, um, both based on scoreboard and, as you mentioned, also game plan. Um, in a particular team like Washington State, yes, the score did dictate that we had to throw it a bunch. We also went into it thinking that we were going to throw the ball against Washington State. We had a had a had a good run plan um, that we wanted to keep them keep them honest, and then we had to throw it out because we were down 19 points and they didn't look like they were slowing down anytime soon. So we had to try to catch up, which we did eventually. Um, so that that game plan philosophy of understanding that. Oh, gosh, you know, this group, we're probably better at pass protecting against these guys than we are running against these guys. We'll probably throw a little bit more. Um, so for me, a lot of that determination comes from what the matchups up front are, not necessarily the matchups outside. Um, so what do we feel like we can do against that front that we're playing against is a big determining factor on um, whether we feel better about run blocking or pass blocking, or we feel great about both. And we feel great about both, okay, great. Then we go into it and try to be as balanced as possible. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of been that thing for me. Um, the, our, our run numbers have been skewed. Honestly, they were not skewed with Toby Gerhardt. That was a mentality. That was what we were going to do. I think after that, every year after that, they've been skewed because at one point, I think over two years, I think we had the longest streak in America of winning games by three, three scores, by 15 points or more, something like that. So our second-half run numbers were off the charts um, because we had the lead, but then also we were very efficient. We were able to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and maybe throw it once or twice and still be able to score, be able to run the clock down, be able to um, win the games. Um, so uh, uh, there's a – up in our football building under uh, Bill Walsh's picture, there's a quote that I'll, I'll try not to say verbatim, um, 
but he talks about not ever being tied to numbers. You know, we're not even going to be tied to percentages. Um, we're just going to do whatever it takes to win the football game. So that's also been our mentality where the mentality is to try to be balanced, but then, hey, we get in the game, whatever we need to do to, to win the game. Yeah, and Shaw's answer was long, so I'll make this quick. I've always said that Shaw would prefer to win a street fight over a track meet, but he certainly wouldn't mind having the ability to pick and choose either. I've said that for the past few years, right from jump. Quarterback Davis Mills has capable capable and big weapons on the outside. So Stanford obviously depleted on the offensive line. If they had eight or nine healthy offensive linemen available, like the old days, I think it would be different. I think you would see more of the Stanford running game into, a, into effect, and certainly a lot more. You haven't seen Jumbo, I don't think, at all this year. That was a staple for Stanford for years, but that was obviously back when they had a lot more healthy offensive linemen than they do now. That number has still stayed at six, by the way, and I'm, I am amazed that since the Washington game, Stanford has been able to stay stable on the offensive line since that game. And hopefully that continues in the final 60 minutes against Notre Dame. But I, I found that, that, that answer quite intriguing, and I hope you did too. A couple things on Notre Dame. They've won four straight. Their losses were to a number three Georgia in Athens back in September, and they, just, they got blitzkrieged at Michigan uh, in late October. Uh, Irish quarterback Ian Book, you might remember him as he kind of made the Stanford game last year in South Bend into his own personal seven-on-seven. Book runs the show again this year at quarterback for Notre Dame. 29 touchdowns, six interceptions, uh, completing about 60% of his passes, but he's also averaging 44 rushing yards per game. That has me, uh, that has my eyebrows raised, especially considering um, how Stanford has fared against uh, quarterbacks uh, who can be mobile and who can make plays with their legs as well. We talked about that with Jovan Swan. Linebacker Drew White is Notre Dame's leading tackler. But here's what I find interesting about, about Notre Dame's defense. They've recovered 15 fumbles this year. That's second most in the country, by the way. 15 fumbles were covered this year. So they're, they're, they're getting after it uh, in, in, in that respect. Notre Dame has a strong front seven. So I would expect an emphasis from Stanford on the passing game again. I don't know if it's going to be exactly quite as out of whack as we saw uh, for much of the first half against uh, Cal last week as it was for Stanford. As mentioned, 15 of Stanford's first 17 plays against Cal were passing plays. So I'm not exactly sure if it's going to be, be, be that far unbalanced in favor of the pass for Stanford, but I would expect an, another week of an emphasis on the passing game given what Mills has shown in that department. Stanford defensively needs to keep Ian Book contained, and the young defensive backs need to make big plays. No way around it. No way around it. Stanford needs to be able to do some things that, that they have not been able to do for much of this season. They need to find a way to do it this year. And the Stanford offense's bad habits that bit them in the rear again against Cal last week, committing untimely penalties, mostly in plus territory, not being able to finish uh, drives with six points instead of three, those things need to stop. They need to quit. Stanford needs to play a full 60 minutes. They need to stay on the field and finish on offense, and they need to get off the field on defense. That's been the, you know, doing the exact opposite of of, of those things has been the script for Stanford, unfortunately, this year. Can they flip that script and make this year a happy ending against Notre Dame? Who knows? Who knows? 
All right, let's get it to uh, They Said It. It's our quote of the week of sorts, and it's provided once again by head coach David Shaw, who, who says his squad can get it done on Saturday. We have the ability to win this football game. We have the ability to make it, uh, make it a tight game in the fourth quarter, find a way to win. Um, the question is, will we? Um, it is an execution and effort game. That's what football is. Um, if we can give great effort and go and execute in all three phases, uh, we'll be in the game and have a chance to win the fourth quarter. Yeah, he's right. He's right. This team is is capable of doing good things against Notre Dame against Saturday, against Notre Dame on Saturday, but can they do it for sixty minutes? That's the test. It's been the task before Stanford for much of the year, and unfortunately, more often than not, that test has not been passed. They got one more shot at it. One more shot at it in the twenty nineteen campaign. Comes against Notre Dame, nine and two, the mighty Irish coming to Stanford Stadium, a place where they've struggled, by the way. I don't think they've – no, they haven't. Notre Dame has not won a game at Stanford Stadium in 12 years. And again, this has been a year where a lot of fantastic streaks for Stanford football have fallen by the wayside. So hopefully this is not uh, the latest to fall. You've got thoughts on the show. I always welcome them. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Also on Twitter. Hit me up with a follow, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-U-I, at Troy Clarity. Our next TreeCast will come your way on uh, Sunday or perhaps Monday. I've got a, a, a soccer match to call, NCAA tournament on the men's side on Sunday evening uh, between Stanford as they look to advance against Virginia Tech. That's in the round of 16, so it's getting down to crunch time in the NCAA tournament. I'll be on the call for the women, uh, the women's soccer tournament on Friday afternoon as uh, they meet BYU, a trip to the College Cup on the line there. So perhaps Sunday, more likely Monday, we'll get you, you know how we do, we'll get you the postgame interviews and commentary uh, from the Stanford locker room that we've uh, been bringing you all year long after Stanford home games, particularly after Stanford home games as well. So we'll come at you early next week with the tree cast, and in all likelihood, we'll come at you with a final tree cast, kind of wrapping things up and kind of putting some things in perspective. I, I definitely have some thoughts on, on where Stanford football stands, uh, seems to stand right now. So we'll, we'll probably wrap things up with a bow uh, with a tree cast that will likely come your way middle to end of next week. Until then, thanks to our guest, Stanford defensive lineman, Jovan Swan. And also until then, thanks to you for checking us out as always. Please be safe and happy this Thanksgiving. Have a have a terrific holiday. It's, it's my favorite day of the year. I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun and uh, should be a lot of uh, calories consumed as well. They might be wheeling me into Stanford Stadium uh, on Saturday based on the food I'm planning on eating over the next couple of days. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Consume all the food you want. Be responsible on the alcohol side. And whatever you do, don't drink and drive. Don't do it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clarence.